Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. For the fifth season, we hear that theme music. Meaning only one thing, you have wandered aimlessly into the steam room. Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson at your service. So good to be back with y'all. Five years? Yeah, well, this is the fifth season. Wow. Episode one. Well, we made it. We made it to what? Hey, to all you people who say we wasn't going to make it, up yours. Uh, (laughs) You think that many people are out there saying this will never make it? Yes, there's always haters, Ernie. There's always haters. I don't think they even... Wasted the brain power to even think about whether the steam room would be around five years later. Well, we made it. We here. Yeah, we certainly are. You look great, man. Thank how, you, brother. How much you weighing now? I am two eighty five. Wow. What's yep. the goal? What's the goal? Two seventy. Wow, you're almost here. When you, what did you start at? Three fifty two. Congratulations, man. That was a fat man. ass, brother. You're looking good. Thank you, brother. You're looking good. Thank you, man. It's coming. I'm going to get to 270. I can't get to my plan weight, which there's no need for that. To 270. Yeah. Yeah. I'm what re- was your plan weight, ideally? 250. Yeah, you ain't going to get there. I'll tell you, if I get to 270. That two, would be unhealthy for uh, you right yeah, now, Chuckster. I, I don't know if it's unhealthy, but 270 is good. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Manjaro. And the golf game's good? Yeah. Oh, man. Hitting that thing. Feed Roy Green like a drum. Are you really? Just, Are you consistently beating these guys that used to consistently take beating you Roy to the like woodshed? Roy and Brennan. I I got I, Ahmad's on my hit list. I got to get him. He's still beating you. Yeah, Ahmad, I, Ahmad's a handful. Yeah, but that's okay. All They've right. already peaked. They've already peaked. Shout out to my boy Stan Utley who who saved my life. And uh, man, I'm excited to be back for the steam room. It's been an incredible summer. I'm excited about the NBA season. You know, we got a lot of storylines. You know, we finally got rid of the the national nightmare known as the James Harden saga. Yeah. Uh, thank God that's over. You know, living in Philadelphia during the summer, I tell people, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me about James Harden, I'd quit TNT. Yeah, no kidding. I'd be a billionaire. Like, yo, man, I don't know. I don't work for the Sixers. I know, but I'm so glad it's over. Now and, a clipper. Now, now Clipper, and the, the main thing is, you know what? You can't – sports are hard enough without a dark cloud hanging over a team. You know, so the Sixers, I'm glad it's over. They made the best deal. Now they can move forward. Right. And their two best players are the MVP and Ty- Tyrese Maxey. I'll uh, give you guys a little heads up that uh, a little bit later in this show, Dusty Baker, Ooh. the just-retired uh, – 
former manager of the Houston Astros and others, and a, just uh, a marvelous big league career, uh, will join us and tell us stories. Is that the and understatement of He is that tremendous. an understatement, a great career? Yeah, legendary career. I mean, that's like, to, like as a as a basketball player, you would be, I'm trying to think, because Phil Jackson's up there, one of the greatest coaches, but he wasn't a great, great player. Pat Riley is in that conversation, but he wasn't a great, great player. Yeah. So it's really hard to compare him to anybody who had that longevity. But hey, what do you what do you say we start this episode? Yes, a little differently. Uh oh. With first of all, uh, this is the way we start every episode of every season of the Steam Room. First of all, first of all, you know I got to say goodbye to some friends, um, a couple of people I know who I'm a miss. Uh, this guy was a big fa- uh, friend of mine from Auburn's name was Dr. Sam Miller. He passed away a couple months ago. Just a great friend, great Auburn man. Just nothing but admiration for him. And I'm going to miss Doc Miller, Sam Miller. Now, this guy was a good friend of mine, a professional golfer, gentle giant, Andy Bean. Yeah. One of the really true, I did, I do, I'd been doing a charity event with Andy for the last, I think, 12, 14. That was the one in Birmingham, right? No, it's one in Florida. Okay. Yeah, the one in Florida. And man, when I heard he passed away, it it hurt me because there's no better person to play golf with or talk about fishing. Andy would send me pictures because he went fishing basically every single day, but he was just such a good person. And he will be missed. So shout out and condolences to the Bean family, man. What a good man Andy was. Now, this guy's one of my favorite actors. His name is Ray Stevenson. Uh, he passed away, and it was quiet. Nobody know, but you would know him if you saw his face. He was in a ton of movies. Uh, I, I just became a big fan of his. Fill me in. Uh, he was... I, he was in this movie called The Irishman that was really, really good. Uh, he was in this movie called Big Game with Sam Jackson. Uh, but you would he's one of those guys, you would know his face if you saw him. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of actors, because uh, is it J.K. Sowers? J.K. Simmons. Simmons. Man, Whiplash. I, I, you know, I met him You've one day. Watch, and you still haven't watched Whiplash, even though I've told you a billion times you got to watch because it. Because I don't watch it to annoy you. Because every time you say it to yeah. me, and I don't, I tell you I haven't watched it yet. You would but, love it, though, man. But I'm going to tell you something. J.K., I met him in the gym one day. And, you know, I, you know, you hate to bother people when they're in the gym because that's annoying because you're in the gym to work out and I talk to people. But I had to say hello because he's one of the great actors uh, that you will ever see. And uh, same thing with Ray Stevenson, but uh, shout out to J.K. Simmons, too. Uh, But he's still alive, obviously. Uh, I have a... Okay, you don't want to interrupt somebody when they're working out. Yes, you don't. That's rude. But it's fine for you to interrupt somebody in a steam room and try to get their bracelet. Uh, First of all, let's get something. Oh, is that what... Yeah. It's fine for you, you to interrupt somebody on, in the steam on, excuse room. Excuse me. Excuse me. When you're in the steam room, you're done working out. You're yeah, but just you're still sitting there. interrupting somebody. No, no, you're not. No, first of all, no, I didn't just, interrupt. He was doing nothing. Just you're, mind your own business you, in the you, steam room, will you? <laughs> you're sitting right by people. You got to be social. You don't just sit there like a lump on a log. 
See, that was just rude, but that's okay, America. I'm used to it. Been dealing with it for 23 years now. But, and last and definitely not least, Matthew Perry. Uh, I never met him, uh, uh, but my daughter knows every Friends episode verbatim. Really? Like, I have even no idea why she still watches. I mean, like, I, I always laugh, like, she doesn't do it as much now that she's a mom, but she would watch every episode and she'd recite. I was like, if you. She'd know the lines before before, before they were delivered. Yes. As and you I'm watched. like, if you already know the lines, why are you watching? And, but she loved it. And, uh, man, I didn't know Matthew Perry. Uh, I think I, I met um, Courtney's from Birmingham. I met her quite a few times. So my condolences to Courtney. Uh, Courtney's always been great the few times I met him. Most people don't know she's from Birmingham. And I actually bumped into Lisa Kudrow one time in the elevator. And I just, like, hey, just a huge fan. Don't want to bother. She was awesome. Uh, but I I don't So think... did you ever watch Friends? Excuse me? Did you watch many episodes of Friends? I've never watched Friends. <sighs> but you've run into everybody who was on the show. Two people. But I've never okay. watched Friends. Ernie, I was busy. I don't have time just sit around and watch television. I was busy doing it's a half their, hour of your day. Doing their heyday. It's a half I, hour I, of your day. But I'm like getting ready for games, traveling, things like that. One of the great all-time shows. It's on TBS every time you turn around. Oh, I want to shout out TBS too. Thank y'all for getting Modern Family. I can't wait to start watching Modern Family. Arguably, one of because you were on it once. No, 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 no. Yeah, it was an honor to be on it. But arguably, one of the five greatest shows ever. It's good. It's no, it's great. It's yeah. not good. It's great. No, very clever. Very clever. Well written. Well yes. acted. Yeah. And I love the diversity uh, of the cast. Uh, but so shout out to TBS for finally. Uh, no, we've always had, uh, you know, I love Big Bang Theory. I mean, we can only watch Law and Order so many times. Uh-huh. I mean, damn. Okay. As a matter of fact, I pretty much know every Law and Order episode by heart. Kind of the way your uh, your daughter knows Yeah, friends. but I don't say the words in advance. Oh. I don't say the words in advance. That's the difference. That's the difference. Great. So. So is that, for, is that, that it for that's first it of for all? That's it for first of all. That was an interesting first of all. Um, still to come. Draymond Green and Dusty Baker. Oh, yeah. Wow, how about that for a one-two They've had punch. some good careers, them two, yes, right? Yes, sir. We are back inside the steam room. Happy to be joined by Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. You think we can get a Kia? Come on, I'm act like Kenny now. You yeah, know, you know, exactly already, like you know I already got a Kia. Yes, I know you do. You yes. talk about them all the time. Yes. Uh, Draymond, the uh, Warriors out of the gate three and one, and uh, you're back in there. Played the last two games. How you feeling? First off, thank you guys for having. Uh, always a pleasure to work with you too. But uh, I feel really good. Um, just trying to get my legs back underneath me. It's always tough uh, when you miss training camp. You know, then you you get out there, and the game's moving a, a, a million miles per hour. Uh, you're trying to keep up with guys who's already in game shape, who's had training camps, who's had several preseason games, and then trying to jump in that into that can be a little tough. Uh, needless to say, it's been fun. 
Um, and I just got to work my way into game shape. You know, you guys, when you came back, that moved CP uh, to the bench. That had to be weird for him. Have you guys had conversations how the best way to address that? Oh, uh, well, I think it's weird for him in the sense that he's coming off the bench for the first time in his career in 19 years, um, which is absolutely insane that you've never um, come off the bench, not one single game. That's impressive. Um, but I don't think it was weird from the standpoint of, of as if it was an elephant in the room. Uh, I, I saw uh, CP talked about it uh, a couple of days ago. I had read it where, where he talked. We had a meeting uh, with the six starters, if you will, um, before training camp even started. And we spoke about this day coming, about how, hey, we got to figure out who's the starting lineup. Um, We're going to have to figure out who's the closing lineup. Some nights it may be different. Uh, one night it may be me not in the closing lineup. Another night it may be Wiggins not in the closing staff. And CP, whoever it is, and and guys have to be willing to sacrifice that. So I don't think it was weird from the standpoint of as if it was a shocker. You know, if it's a shocker, I mean, Chris Paul had a right to be pissed off. But it wasn't a shocker. It's something we talked about. And we're all willing to sacrifice whatever we have to to, to make this team great and try to win. You know, we had you guys on opening night. Uh, we were doing the show from Denver. Uh, Chuck, can I relay to Draymond, unless he's already heard, what you had to say about the Golden State Warriors on that on that opening when night? When he said we cooked? No, he said, well, cooked was one <laughs> I word. I said that in the playoffs. And, and, I said y'all were cooked uh, in the playoffs, and, Draymond. And what he also said, Draymond, is y'all may be the fourth best team in California. That's crazy. Wait, he's been hey, saying wait. that for years, though. Dre, Dre, I, you said it, it. I and I meant it because I said, man, this team. One thing that comes with success, and Dre knows this, man. When you play for the championship as many years as they play, it taxes your body. And all for I sure. said, they got an old team, and and that's not no news. They got an old team. And I said, man, them other three teams in California, Paul and Kawhi, they're well-rested, well-rested. The Lakers got a deep team, and Sacramento got a bunch of youngsters. I says, the Warriors, if, if they have any injuries, any injuries, they could be the fourth best team in California. And that's not a knock. That's that's because of their success. They got an old team. All right. So your reaction to that, Draymond? Uh, my reaction to that is, um, you know, we we the fourth best that the, the eventual champion may come out of California if that if there's that much talent in, in the state of California if there's that many good teams in the state of California. Uh, but you know, I don't mind that. I think you know, old is old sounds a little harsh. Uh, old sounds as if. You know, we look like Chuck when he was out there with the Houston Rockets. That's what old kind of sounds like to me. Hey, that's what old was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, I would say, no, we we are experienced. Uh, there's no secret. Uh, we're getting up there in age. I think uh, CP's 38, Steph's 35. I'm 33. Clay's 33. Um, you, you can't you can't deny that our ages are getting up there. And saying that though. We are experienced, and I think the most important thing, and to Chuck's point, is us staying healthy. If we stay healthy, which I have no doubt that we will, we got the best um, performance staff in the league, and we stay healthy on our way, then teams are going to struggle to beat us because now you have to know how to win. 
And I think last year when we look at um, our team and, and losing to the Lakers in the second round, aside from all the uh, chemistry issues, that team just wasn't a team. Aside from all of that, we also didn't have enough variety. We couldn't score in a bunch of different ways. Now we can. You know, you bring in CP, that adds a totally different layer to the offense. So, uh, no, I think I, I agree with some of Chuck's points. We are we are definitely getting older, but uh, that ain't never stopped us from winning. That team just wasn't a team. What was the, what was the chemistry problem? Who was, uh, and who was the cause of the chemistry problem? Well, I think, uh, you know, there there was always an elephant in the room with the, with the stuff that happened um, in the preseason. Uh, there's no no denying that. Right. Um, and quite frankly, I think... Did you guys you know, ever when, get over when, that, Dre? And, and so, that, so that's, that, that's actually where I was headed next. It was like, we kind of never moved on from it. And so if, if you never move on from something, then how do you, how do you even grow? And that team just wasn't tight enough to handle adversity. You know, you're going to go through adversity um, throughout the course of this 82-game season plus playoffs. Adversity is going to hit, and the team has to be tight enough to handle that adversity. We weren't tight enough to handle that adversity last year. I think this team that we have this year is built for adversity. We're built to handle adversity, and that'll be important for us moving forward. You know, I said last year going in, I said, Listen, I know Dre, Steph, and Clay gonna do their thing. Looney gonna do his thing, but it was really gonna come down to the young guys: Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody. But I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stay with Moody and Wiseman. Obviously, y'all have moved on from Wiseman. Were you surprised your young guys have not come along faster? Um, well, I mean, I would I would say what is coming along faster. You know, we're we're starter year three for those guys. Um and JK is taking a huge step forward, uh, several steps forward. Moses is taking uh a huge step several steps forward. So I think the way uh that they both started the season off, that's what you want to see from a third guy going into a third year. When I look back at my third year, I was coming into the season I hadn't played a ton. Uh, we were switching coaches. I played 12 minutes a game during the preseason, and then David Lee got hurt. And so I don't th- I don't view those guys as, oh, man, they've come along slow. The reality is where they get screwed, they're judged based off of Kaminga being a seventh pick and Moses being, I think, a 14th pick. And so they're lottery picks. They're judged off that. Well, guess what most lottery picks get to do? They get to go to – to these teams where they get to shoot all the balls, they get to play through their mistakes. Uh, no one's over their shoulder if, if they're shooting terrible shots or turning the ball over. They're letting them learn through their mistakes. You get two guys that come here as lottery picks, and they come on a team that has guys who won multiple championships and still trying to compete for championships, and they're expected to uphold a championship-level standard. Mm-hmm. And so they're judged off a standard based on playing on a championship team and then you got guys out here that are age that's judged off the standard of if they can get 20 points on 23 shots. And so I think the standard is just totally different. Now, when I look at these guys and you see the ball they're playing this year, they've benefited from those last two years because they're learning how to play winning basketball where some guys in their class are just up there hoisting shots and it's wasted two years. So I don't necessarily think their development has been slow. I think it's been exactly what you'd expect um, if you're trying to put – two 19-year-olds on a championship-level team and ask them to compete and produce at that level. 
Hey, Dre, are you excited about the in-season tournament? Ernie, I am excited as hell about this in-season tournament. I think it's absolutely incredible for our game. I saw the league rolled out the course uh, the other day, um, which I think is absolutely incredible. Uh, I always speak, and and I've heard you guys share some of the same sentiments about Adam Silver being the best commissioner in the NBA. There it is. Now, every team has another court for this thing. The possibilities that that brings when you start talking about BRI and different things of that nature, uh, and it can continue to increase the revenue. Absolutely amazing. You look at our, at, at this in-season model. It's it's like European soccer. It's like European basketball where they play for all these different cups during the season. Now you take a, a, a random uh, Tuesday game in, in one of these cities that you can't get up for, and that game matters now. You know, and, and we're playing for hardware. So I'm excited about it. I think it'll bring excitement to this to the season. As an NBA fan, I, I'm I'm happy to see it. But also as a player, I'm happy that we'll get to bring this to our fan base uh, and continue to grow this beautiful game that we all have the opportunity to play. You know, you look at the All-Star game, it's going back to East versus West. Uh you think mm-hmm. that's good? Or cause I personally I've all I, I've suggested this for five or six years in a row. I would love to see the United States against the world. I think that would be a fabulous all-star thing, but are you at least excited about going back just east-west? I'm actually not against that idea of United States against the world. I think the only problem is that is you then have to put more world players in. If they're not, if they don't make it, then you can only get 12 players from the United States. I think that makes it tough. Uh, And saying that, I am excited. Number one, uh, I heard this morning that San Francisco actually got the bid, and it's coming to San Francisco in 2025, so I think that's dope. But also, going back to East and West, I think it's incredible. I think, you know, when we look at um, the history of the All-Star game, it's East and West. It's When you look back at all those battles that you guys had over the years, when those incredible All-Star teams and incredible All-Star games, it was East versus West, and you got to take pride in that. Maybe there need to be some added as far as like, oh, this team gets home court advantage. If you win the All-Star game, like they do in MLB and stuff like that, if we want to make the All-Star game more. Another thing I, that I think, Chuck, and where we where we made, and I would love to know how it was for y'all, but I think it was different. With the amount of media attention that's around the game today, there's so many more things that you have to do leading up to the NBA All-Star game. So you get there at 1 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, and you're doing all of these things, media, pictures, this thing, that thing. Then by the time you get to the game, it's like, oh, we got to play a basketball game. So I think the setup, it's been tough for guys to get going. You know, guys got whole game day routines that they go through to get their body ready. You don't get to do that for an All-Star game, and then everybody wants you to go out there and play hard. So I think there are some changes that can be made to get the All-Star game back to the level that we want to see it at as basketball fans. Um, but, you know, in saying that, East versus West is definitely one of those changes that I think should be. Hey, before we let you go, uh, James Harden's a Clipper now. So what's your view of uh, L.A. as a rival in the Western Conference, a team now that has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and James Harden? I think, you know, when, when you put those names on paper, uh, that they'll be as good as any names you can put together. Um, you know, you're talking four first ballot Hall of Famers, um, what is that? Two MVPs, one finals MVP, a perennial all-star. 
you can't put much else better on paper than what they have. Now, in saying that, they're also getting orders, just like us, uh, to Chuck's point. You know, you got, I think all of those guys are probably in year 14 or 15 or above, you know, and so uh, with the exception of Kawhi, Kawhi's clay here, so it's 13. Like those, the, and so health will be important as well. You know, you hope to get to the end and see everybody healthy and may the best man win. But they'll be a tough team. Uh, they got, you know, a lot. And and even around those guys, you know, they still got Zubox. They still got Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. Still got Bones Highland. You know, they still they still have through PJ uh, some PJ depth. Tucker in on that deal too with the uh, <laughs> I know with Harden. Yeah, absolutely. You got PJ Tucker, so they still have depth. And then they also have an incredible coach in Ty Lue. So they'll be a team, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, nonetheless, the one one beautiful thing about the playoffs is you don't have to go through everybody. So depending on how the schedule lines up, you got to beat. The, the three teams that they put in front of you from your conference, and you got to be one team from the Eastern Conference. So um, that's that's our viewpoint, vantage point. We're ready, we're ready and willing to take on whoever that is that gets in our way and, and ultimately to reach the goal that we want to reach. Your first in-season tournament game is Friday at OKC. Their first game in the in-season tournament. What group are you in? Um, it's not we A are, and it's okay. not B. It's Group C. Is it, okay. And you, okay. Okay. Who you got? OKC. OKC. Us. Um, San Antonio. Yep. Um, you're playing them tomorrow night. Sack. 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 And yeah. Anthony and, Edwards. Minnesota. Oh, yes, Minnesota. There yep. you go. That's a lot of young talent. Yeah, no doubt. Sacramento and the Warriors are going to be favored in that. Sacramento and the Warriors. That's that's the game. Sure. Yeah. Heavily. Huh. Okay, see. Hey, Chuck, so I, I got a question for you. You talk about our old age. Do, do you think that bodes us well in, in, in this in-season tournament where we are healthy? Oh, yeah. I think it, it, it in-season, I think your age shows up later in the season. Like, everybody's in great shape and healthy when the season starts. And mm-hmm. then I think – I tell people, I say, when you get older – you get around 35, 40 games, and then there's so much stress in the playoffs. I think that's why I favor young teams the longer the season goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. That, but to, in, in, in fairness to Dre and the Warriors, man, they've had so much success. So much success. And when you, when you go deep in the playoffs every single year, it takes its toll once you get 33, 34, 35. It does. Hey, Dre, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, fellas. Well, always a pleasure. All right, boy. Yeah. Be safe. You're always welcome in the steam right, room. Yes, 32. you are. You're always welcome in the steam room. All right, man. Later. <laughs> thank you all. I appreciate it. You got it. We welcome you back oh, oh my to the goodness. steam room. This is uh, awesome. Where, I mean, you would be hard-pressed, Chuckster, to find a guy with a kind of resume in Major League Baseball um, that uh, matches that that Dusty Baker has it's, it's as a player, player and a manager. It's, co- it's unbelievable. Yeah. like We call as, him a manager, not a coach. Yeah, I know that now. But, like, it would be great to have his resume as a player. Yeah. And now you factor in his resume as a manager 
It's in, it's un- unbelievable. And we got him on this first episode of the Steam Room. Yes, sir, in, in uh, Season 5. And Dusty Baker joins us. It is so good to see you. You are uh, you look really happy, retired, Dusty, at the age of 74. Yeah, Bernie, I don't know what retirement is. I'm still packing, trying to get back to California. I'll let you know in a couple weeks. <laughs> and uh, you know, people are like, how's it feel to be retired? I've been retired like uh, three days, you know what I mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So how much are you watching the World Series? Oh, yeah. I always watch. You know, I like watching. I, I like watching sports. I like watching ball. You know, uh, I watch basketball. I watch football. I watch almost every sport that there is, you know, on TV. And, uh, you know, once sports gets into your veins, I mean, you just don't pick and choose, uh, uh, you know, what to, what to look at. I mean, sometimes in life, uh, uh, in the real world, uh, you miss that adrenaline rush and of 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 being of being in sports and uh you know that that kind of like lures us all back into paying attention to not only your sport but the other sports you know i got a question like you had a, we, ernie was saying a little bit earlier that you had one of the most amazing baseball careers when did you get the bug i want to be a manager something had to kick in divorce kicked in that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> You think I'm kidding. Al Campana said some things that, you know, we weren't qualified to to do this and that and uh, thinking man's position in sports. And and at that time, I was getting uh, divorced. And uh, and all of a sudden, baseball come looking for some some minorities to disprove what he had said. And at the time, I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, myself, Cito Gaston, Hal McCray, and Don Baylor, we were there all at the same time. And so... Uh, I, I went to uh, Texas. I went to Dallas for the winter meetings, and about 15 of us walked in. Frank Robinson, Hank Aaron, Kurt Flood, some of the baddest dudes of, of that generation. They invited me to go. Joe Morgan. So I went in there, and they and Al Rosen asked me, "Did I want to? Uh, you know, was I interested in coaching?" I said, "No, man. I was a stockbroker at the time, and I didn't want any part of the game." And uh, so I asked my dad, I said, well, dad, what should I do? He told me, go to the mountaintop and pray. And I went to uh, Lake Arrowhead and I was checking in this hotel, me and my brother, trying to make up my mind. And the owner of the Giants tapped me on the shoulder and he says, Dusty, you need to come join us. And I, I went to the phone, I asked my dad, I said, dad, is that a sign? He says, son, that's a sign that you don't want to see. <laughs> and he says, even before you said your prayers, the Lord tapped you on the shoulder and uh, and this and so like I said, okay, I moved back to Northern California, got divorced, and then they Al Rosen said it would take five years to get the player out of me, and five years in the day, I was named the uh, you know the manager of the Giants. So that that it kind of chose me, and I just uh, agreed with it. How long have you been in baseball total? <laughs> Charles, I was thinking about that. Well, you know something since I was eighteen. And then um, um, I was out a year as a broker at 87. I missed uh, six years at three different times, you know, two times, uh, three. I was out two years without even a job offer. So since 18, I've missed uh, seven years out of, out of, uh, out of baseball. And, uh, you know, I actually made more money as a manager than I made as a, as a player. Yeah. Welcome to my world, Dusty. Welcome to my world yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, exactly. Charles, I ain't mad at you because I'm telling you, 
you know, people don't know. I mean, you know, the money that we made when I first came into this game, Charles, the minimum salary was fifteen thousand dollars. And and you know you can't do nothing on fifteen thousand dollars. That's why I had to go sell cars down in Augusta, Georgia, when <laughs> I was in Atlanta. I, I, I sold cars in the off season. I worked for Atlanta Life. I sold uh, uh, life insurance. Another winner. You know, back then we had to work to to make ends meet, and then I played winter ball three different years to try to help my mom and daddy out and brothers and sisters that were in college. So, but it taught me some valuable lessons. Uh, it, it taught me how to take care of things, take care of business, and take care of yourself and and your family. Well, let me t- say this too, Chuckster. This it always seemed surreal to me anytime I would sit in Dusty's office when I was you know when I do play by play on our TBS games. And, you know, we spent 15 minutes in a manager's office. It always just was so surreal to be sitting across from this guy because all I could think about was tagging along with my dad at the ballpark at Atlanta Stadium back when this guy was playing for the Braves and hitting behind Hank Aaron. And, uh, and, and just to be walking around with Dusty Baker and Ralph Gar and – Hank Aaron and these guys was just, you know, it was, it was a dreamlike thing as, as a kid, you know, you're sitting here, you know, with your forearm on the batting cage, watching these guys take BP and, uh, and then to be able to, to be working and calling his games, it was, it was always, it was always so strange and so wonderful. And, and, and part of that is just, Dusty, it's just gratifying to, to see, the career you had, man. And it's just, I was, so many baseball fans were happy for you when you won a world championship as a, as a manager. Um, and it all kind of came full circle for you. And there was really nothing left, although you tried again this year to do it, but what told you, what told you, you know what, enough's enough. Well, you know, actually speaking of Ralph Gar to go back, I was with Ralph Gar yesterday. He lives here in Houston. Really? Yeah, honestly, and I'm gonna be with them today, and uh, and then I uh, somebody sent me a, a thing that I had done in 1973 with Ernie, not not with Ernie, not with your dad, with Milo Hamilton, an interview that I did really? in 1973. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the internet, man. And so, anyway, you know the 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 thing about I, I kind of had made up my mind a little bit during the winter in January while I was packing, because see, it was a lot easier when I was managing in the town where I lived, because all you did was pack for spring training. And then, uh, you know, you came home and then packed for the road. But, you know, when you live in in, 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 a, in a different town than when you manage, you got to pack for eight months. And you got to pack warm stuff. You got to pack cold stuff. You got to pack uh, shorts. You got to pack everything. Dude, suits, I hate uh, packing. Everything. I hate packing for any yeah. trips. I'm telling you, and see, I, I'm, that's what I've been doing the last three days, packing now to go home. And then when I go back, I got to unpack. And sometimes you get tired of, you just get tired of being away from home. And see, and I hadn't been away. I haven't been home since um, February the 10th. And, uh, you know, I got a nice place. I just got two new dogs right before I left, four months old. And my dogs, when I get home, my hunt dogs, they won't even know me. They'll probably be growling at me. And I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> I live here. And, <laughs> and I take your butt to the, to the vet and I clean up after you. And so, uh, you know, that kind of, I started thinking about it. And then, you know, we had a lot of success here, Ernie. And then, uh, and Charles, it, and in the last couple months here, you know, it wasn't very pleasant because we weren't, we weren't uh, 10 games ahead. 
and 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 you spoil people. They think you're supposed to win this every year, running away. And it's not like that. You know, every year is different. And uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of like criticism from thirty year olds and bloggers and tweeters, and I'm not doing this, and I don't know that. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of 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 this and tired of scrutiny. And if I could like, you know, if I could go manage, show up at like six o'clock. I say six thirty for a seven o'clock game and <laughs> leave three minutes after the game. Don't do the pre and post stuff. I could manage for another four or five years. You know what I mean? But but after a while, you just get tired of just uh, you know answering questions. You get tired of just uh, uh, you know, and then you not to mention you know like I had to have my 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 uh, pacemaker replaced this summer. I didn't miss any time. You start thinking about your health. You start thinking about your kids. You start thinking about, hey, man, you know, how much – and you see a lot of your friends dying and you haven't even really uh, enjoyed your, you know, your life away from the game. And uh, so you, you factor all that in and you start thinking about it and you're like, okay, you know, Laura's been good to me. Uh, I've been away from home a whole bunch. And then I really start thinking about those those grandchildren. I, yeah. I got, you know, two, two grandsons, two and – in four and uh so don't even get chuckster yeah. started on grandkids man i don't want to see my own boy play yeah see, my own boys are triple now with the you yeah, know with the, with the national yeah, yeah. so charles, charles go ahead man i, I want to hear about these grandchildren because see i knew you and mo when you before y'all was married uh, see I was... when i met chuck at the at the warwick hotel in, oh in philly in, uh in philly yeah. right you know what's crazy dusty you know, two people I really listen to about things are Clark Kellogg and Ernie Johnson. And I get the pleasure of working with those guys. And they're like, because I, I don't, you know, not a lot excite me. I've had a lot of exciting things in life. So not a lot going to make Chuck excited and go crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun having grandkids, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, you don't understand. It's going to change your life. I'm like, dude, I told you I'm a little bit excited. It's going to be all right. And man, little Henry is 16 months. And little Charlie, she's like six months. Dusty, it's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest thing ever, man. You changed diapers? No, I didn't say it was that good. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I don't change no diapers, man. Nah. Hey, Dusty, there's shit in the diapers. <laughs> I, I think I, I was going to say if you was going to tell a lie. Okay, so. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell a lie. <laughs> Hey, I got a question for you. I sent you a text when when Mr. Aaron passed. What did Hank Aaron mean yep. to you? Oh, he meant everything to me. I mean, he is the reason I signed. You know, there are a couple of turning points in your life. When my parents had just gotten divorced uh, 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 right before I graduated from high school, the same way that I got divorced after I got out of pro ball. And uh, 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 Hank promised my mom, they flew me and my mom to L.A., and he promised my mom that he would take care of me as if I was his son if I uh, had enough confidence in myself to to sign a pro contract and be in the big leagues by the time my class would have graduated from college to go ahead and sign if not and go go on to college. And then uh, he promised my mom I go to uh, I go back to school, which I did in the wintertime. He promised my mom he'd make me go to church. He'd make me like get up and eat breakfast. And, uh, you know, all the make me quit hanging out all night, which I was couldn't wait to do. And, uh, you know, he just took care of me. 
he took care of me and Ralph Gar. As, I mean, we were over his house every day, and uh, he fed us. Um, you know, like he would chastise me. You know, if he thought I was doing wrong, or you know, he'd get in. You know, he'd get him a butt. But um, you know, he was remained such. You know, until he died. You know, and, and his wife Billy. Uh, you know, whom I met when they first started started uh, dating uh, after he got divorced. Um, I just talked to her a couple of days ago, and Hank has a, a 2012 or 20, 2016 BMW at 13,000 miles, and she, she wants me to have it. You know, she wants me to buy it. I'm going to wow. buy it and, yeah, and leave it before my son for, to, you know, to drive in spring training. What did his uh, 715th home run look like from the on-deck circle, where you stood? Yeah, where I stood, he, you know, he used to tell me all the time, you know, he say, man, this guy's going to throw me a slider away, or he's going to throw a fastball up and in, he's going to do this and do that. And, you know, he didn't have no no uh, laptop to go look back on, on. I mean, he had it all in his brain. I mean, he knew every every pitch every uh, wind up he knew i mean this guy had total recall he taught us total recall about about you know things in in the game and uh he said okay he's gonna throw me this i'm gonna get it over with i'm gonna hit it out of the ballpark and i said okay hey you know he wasn't <laughs> predicted like i lead like he was gonna knock him out in the third round but he knew always what he was doing and you know he was always in in control of the situation and uh you know Barry Bonds is probably as close to uh, uh you know the Hank Aaron type uh attitude and outlook on the on the game as I've ever seen why did Hank call you Daffy no it wasn't Hank call me Daffy it was uh it was a uh uh Satchel Paige called me Daffy oh really yeah Satchel Paige you know, in 68, I was September call-up, and nobody knew how old Satch was. He was trying to get the, you know, he had to get four years on the pension then to get fully vested, and I think he needed like two or three months. And so uh, I was his caddy. And so, the, you know, like I'd carry his fishing poles, fishing rods. I'd carry his suitcase, and he promised me he's going to give me some fishing rod. He never gave me nothing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he like, hey, Daffy, go get my – I said, look, man. I didn't say, man, you know, he was older than me. You know, I was taught reverence, but I said, I said, Satch, please, my name is Dusty. He goes, Daffy, I know what your name is. <laughs> so I just answered, <laughs> I just answered to Daffy. Because, you know, back in those days, everybody, you know, they give you a nickname whether you like the name or not. Right. You don't, yeah. right, Charles, some old dudes, they give you the oh, nickname. Yeah. Most of you call me, hey, Fathead. I'm like, who's he talking yeah, to? I was going to say, Fathead. Yep. yep. So, Fathead, uh, uh, you got some more stories? You know, I, I'll tell you this, Dusty. Uh, every I started calling Moses' dad, like, yeah. from like I, my, probably my fourth or fifth year in the league because he took me on his wing and made me lose 50 pounds and made me the player I was. He was like Hank was to you, Mr. Aaron. I'll never call him Hank. I'll call him Mr. Aaron. He was like my Mr. Aaron. And – a bittersweet moment for me. I saw Moses Friday night at the Hall of Fame. And I got, and every time I told him, I said, Dad, I love you, man. Thank you for everything. And, he's, and Moses did like, uh, son, I love you too. And then he died. That was Friday night. And they found, he died that Sunday. Um, 
And uh, man, it was, and, and I tell people, one of the worst things I've had to do in my life was doing a eulogy at his funeral. It was so tough, but I got a chance to tell everybody what he meant to me and how much I loved him. Cause man, if it went for Moses, I don't know where I'd be today. Right. Well, the same for me. And the, and you know, one of the worst days that I've had, uh, you know, beside that, well, like today is my brother's birthday. You know, he was a basketball player, got cut by the Warriors and he passed four years ago. He was a mad depression, uh, a depressant. That's why I give so much, food to the homeless every day. I give food to the homeless every day because we got a big homeless problem here in Houston, uh, big time. And one of the other worst days beside my dad and mom passing was when my wife came in that morning and woke me up like six o'clock in the morning and told me that Hank, Hank Aaron was gone. And uh, I just, I just couldn't believe it, you know, and uh, I know we're all going to pass over, but it still doesn't make it any easier. And I'm just glad that I had as much time to spend you know, with the hammer as I had. Indeed, who, indeed. Who's the best player you ever played with? The hammer. The hammer. Yep. And then the second best player nobody knows was Reggie Smith. Reggie Smith could do everything. He was second behind the hammer, and the best player I ever managed was was uh, Barry Bonds. Best pitcher you ever faced? J.R. Richard. Hmm. J.R. gave me the blues. I'm talking <laughs> this guy. Man, this guy would strike me out three times, and he was my buddy. You know, you never was buddies with the pitchers. He strike me out three times in Astrodome and then come around and pick me up by the bus so we can go out. <laughs> and I see him coming in his car, and I try to hurry up on the bus, and he like, hump, 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 you saw me get in the car. And I'm like, man, I don't want to get in the car. He said, dude, the game is over. I said, over for you. <laughs> it ain't over for me. I'm still mad about them three strikers. You know what I mean? So JR was definitely... Oh, yeah, he gave me the blues. And Raleigh Fingers gave me the blues, too. Uh, I mean, man, you hate when a guy got your number, Charles. Yeah. Who had your number, Charles? Uh, Who had your number? Popeye Jones. I hate Popeye Jones to this day. For some reason, <laughs> I, you, know, you know, Shaq, Shaq talks about big country. Big country had his number. I have no idea why Popeye Jones, he got, he kicked my butt every single time. And I was like, yep. I was like, yo, man, that's, I don't know what I can do. This dude just owns me. But there's somebody who owns yeah. you, no matter what sport that's you right. are. Yeah. And there's somebody you own. And it's not necessarily the best player that yeah. owns you. Which which player did you own? Which pitcher? Uh, which pitcher? Probably Tom Seaver. Really? See, you know? See, you would think it might be the other way around. Yeah. Where you might say well, the toughest guy I ever faced was Tom Seaver. He's got all the credentials. He's the Hall of Famer. And I, I, I see Popeye Jones now on the sidelines. He still got them ears sticking out there. You know what I mean? I know when I see him. But you know, I, I remember asking Hank Aaron. I said, Hammer, who's the toughest guy you ever face? And he told me uh, Sandy Koufax. So I said, really? So I got to know Sandy Koufax when I got to the Dodgers. And I asked Sandy Koufax, who was the toughest that he ever faced? And he told me, Bad Henry. And oh, that was man. Hammer's nickname. Yeah. I'm like, well, how can both of y'all say each other? But that was just how much mutual respect that they had, you know, for each other. You know, I uh, I got a chance to have dinner with Sandy Koufax a couple of years ago because I had a bucket list. One of my mentors is Billy Cunningham. He's awesome. And we were playing golf one day. Well, I guess I'd watched a baseball game. I says, 
Yo, man, I, I was watching a baseball game. Sandy Koufax is on my bucket list. I never met Sandy Koufax. You know, because you want to meet these yeah. legends. Like, when I met Mr. Yeah. Aaron, I, actually a friend of mine who worked for the 76ers became his personal assistant. And I said, hey, uh, and he treated me great. I probably met him 10 times, and it was like royalty every time. But Billy Cunningham says to me, you want to meet Sandy Koufax? I said, I would love to meet Sandy Koufax. He said, well, you know, we went to school together. I said, what? And we went out to dinner. We went out to dinner in Philly about three summers ago. And it was so humble. He was so humble and so nice. And like when you meet somebody like that and they're so awesome, you you just like, man, I, I, that was worth the tweet. It changes your outlook on how you treat people. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, and, and I tell people like Sandy Koufax, Lou Brock and Hank Aaron were the most three humble superstars in baseball that I ever met because I never heard them brag. You never heard them talk about anything that they did. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if I was Hank Aaron, I'd be just walking around telling people I was the best dude in the whole world. I said that exact same thing about Wayne Gretzky and Tom Brady. They're the goats really? in their sports. Every time you meet them, they make you feel like they're like normal. And I'm saying to myself, you do know you Tom Brady, right? That's what I'm saying under my breath. But t but Tom and Wayne, if you're saying the same thing about Mr. Aaron and those guys, it, it man, it, it just makes you feel good. I never heard him brag. You know what I mean? Never. Hey, we've talked about uh, or mentioned your son, Darren. Um, people will remember back to the 2002 World Series. Chucks, you remember this? Oh, yeah, J.T. Snow, right? J.T. Snow. JT Snow, I remember that. Scooping up your son at home plate in the middle of a World yep. Series game. So how much do you have to talk about that? What And when did you realize what had gone on there, Dusty? Well, you know, he didn't, you know, he doesn't even remember that because he is three years old. <laughs> but and, you remember uh, it. Yeah, well, I remember it because, see, I believe in having those kids in the in, in the dugout, you know, let a, you know, it's like having a, a, a kid on the set, actor, have his kids on the set. And, uh, and plus, I had had I found out I had cancer uh, that December before the season started, and then I had a prostate operation, and so I didn't know, you know, if I was even going to live. Um, I'm telling you the truth: uh, the the most scariest moment in your life is when they tell you you got cancer and you can't believe it at a young age. And so uh, I was going to try to give my son everything I could before, just in case, you know, I didn't make it through that. And uh, uh, right before that game, my mother, she calls me. She goes, oh, Dusty, I got a bad feeling. And I said, here we go. So I said, what, mama? <laughs> he says, well, I don't think he should be the bad boy tonight. I said, come on, mama. He's done this like 20 times. He goes, no, listen to me. Well, when he almost got run over, I said, oh, Lord, I'm going to hear from him, mama. Uh -huh. So I get back in. I get back in the clubhouse and the phone rings. Bling, bling. I said, oh, I ain't answering that. So I pick it up. Dusty, I told you, you don't listen to me. You don't listen to your mom. I said, Mom, I got to go because I said, the press is coming in here. She goes, oh, no, you tell that press to wait. You go hear what I got to say. <laughs> and, and you know, when your mama get on you. Oh, yeah. Man, she don't, if you're 52 or if you're 12, it's the same dang thing. But uh, <laughs> that's something that, you know, they changed the rules because of my son. But, and, and I'm just glad that. You know, he loves it, fell in love with it then and sticking with it and, and trying to make his mark on the work. Yeah, I saw that he brought the lineup card out at a uh, 
at a spring training game. Yeah, he brought the lineup yeah. card out for uh, Washington, and you were at the plate. What that? What was that moment like for you? Well, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was really cool. I mean, and see things go full circle. You know, he graduated from Cal, played baseball over there, and uh, you know him to bring the lineup card out. Davey Martinez arranged it on the other side. I didn't even know it. I just saw man, who's this kid bringing the lineup? Then I saw him because he wasn't in big league camp, and uh, you know that was and. We train at the same stadium where I started my career at in West Palm Beach with the Braves. Wow. It's a different location, but we share a stadium with the Nationals. They, they go to the right, then I go to the left. And he actually told me, he said, Dad, I want to be here. I'd, I'd like to live with you during spring training. And I'm like, really? Because, you know, I love my daddy, but I don't think I can live with my daddy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Tell me when to come on, come in, and what to do, and everything. Yeah, I said, You sure? He goes, Oh, yeah, dad, I want to live with that. I said, Okay, no dishes in the sink. Okay, no towels on the floor. You got to make up your bed in the morning. You know, we, you, you got to have a Chuck, you know, it's tough having a dirty roommate. Nothing worse than that. And so I said, I ain't having no dirty roommate, son. I know, son. So he was pretty good about it. And then yeah, he brought the lineup card out. Uh, and then he hit a grand slam off us to beat us. Really? In that team. Yeah. A, a pinch hit grand slam. And then he's looking at me coming around third. I'm like, man, I ain't looking at you. And so everybody in the dugout was, was like, hey, man, I didn't know where to clap, have my head down or what, because, you know, my pitcher just gave up the, you know, the winning grand slam yeah. to my son. And so when I got him home that night, he goes, Dan, how come you didn't even look at me? I said, what was I supposed to do, jump up and down? I said, because <laughs> my pitcher was feeling bad. But that was a, you know, that was a, a special moment for us. Last thing. I, I got to ask him a serious question first. Okay, because mine's not Here serious. Okay, yeah, you gonna let, I'll let you. Let me ask a serious question. You know, with your success in Cito Gaston, same thing in every sport, lack of minority coaches – do you, what what can be done uh, to to make sure more guys, more black coaches, get an opportunity to be in UNC those shoes, winning the World Series? Yeah, hey Charles, that's a great question because I've been trying to answer that question for twenty years, and uh, you know you cannot make an owner hire anybody. You know you can you can uh, put guys in front of them. Uh, but there's uh, certain pressures sometimes that from their country club, from their this or that or the Kiwanis club or whatever. Um, I really don't know. First, you got to have guys in the pipeline. You know what I mean? In order and and to be hired, most of the time you have to have somebody like I had Al Rosen. You know, you got and 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 Peter McGuire. You got to have somebody white that's not afraid to 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 trust you with his club, you know, because because if you're waiting on somebody black to hire you, there are no black owners, you know, so so you got to have somebody that's not afraid and also trust you as a person, trust your leadership uh, uh, and and willing to give you some, you know, some time. See, most of the time, Charles, we're going to inherit a bad team. Yeah. You're going to inherit a, a, a last place team. I mean, this me inheriting uh, Houston, it was a first place team, but man, we had more problems when I got here than the law allows. So, <laughs> you know, there's always something. Most of the time, you're not going to get no 
first division team that, that's going to let you, uh, you know, I look at Doc, Doc Rivers or, or in the NBA and some of the guys that I see, the, the you know, Sacramento Kings. I mean, you know, there's a few, but we need more. And I'm hoping that the better I do, the better Cito Castle does, the better Dave Roberts does, especially in baseball, which is more conservative than basketball. I'm, I'm hoping that opportunities come and, 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 Really, the scrutiny, the, the the social pressure and all that seems like it doesn't really do any good. Last thing, and that was a great answer, by the way, your memories of the first ever high five because you were part of it. Because we'd seen low fives, but never a high five until you and Glenn Burke, right, in L.A. But you know, Ernie, Glenn Burke invented it. Everybody gave me credit for it. <laughs> I hit a whole run off J.R., I mean, that's he was my nemesis. Reggie Smith told him I was going to hit it off him on Thursday. I said, Reggie, he don't need no help striking me. <laughs> so I ended up hitting a home run off him. And then Glenn Burke was on deck. And then Glenn, Glenn came up and threw his hand up. I just hit his hand. That's the, I swear, that is how the whole thing started. I don't know. I heard Magic said he thought he he, he invented the high. You know, Magic invented everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm going back. laughs> but but uh, hey man, I I uh, I uh, I don't know, Ernie. I, I was just doing, you know, something. This is off subject a, a little bit, but you know, one of the greatest texts I got uh, uh, upon retirement was uh, was some Snoop Dogg, and uh, you know, I heard from Snoop, I heard from Trade the Truth, I heard from uh, 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 Wall. Wall wants to send me a. Paul Wall want to send me a grill. Can you see me with a grill on, Charles? <laughs> no, 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 we don't know no. grill. No grill. No grill. And that's what I said. So, man, what I look like 34 years old walking around with a grill. I, I put that grill in my pocket. Go spit this <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, man, I just want to tell you this. You know, one of my great friends who passed away was Joe Morgan. He said he called his dad the day he was going to meet Jackie Robinson. He said, Dad, what do I say to Jackie Robinson? He says, just say thank you. And yep. from all the brothers out here, man, I just want to say thank you as a player, as a manager, the way you carried yourself all these years. Thank you for being being you. Well, thank you. And you know something? Sometimes when I'm in a game and I'm having a tough decision to make, I'm talking to Joe Morgan, Hank Aaron, Kurt Flood, you know, Al Kaline, some of these greats of the game that came, you know, before me because Joe was – Joe was one of my mentors that I could run stuff by, and I knew that I'd get the truth. Uh, uh, and that's and that's great that you mentioned Joe Morgan because see a lot of these guys that have that have come and gone, and, you know, people forget about them. You know, I think about the Willie Stargells and Willie McCoveys and wow. all these that men. So I had some bad. I, I came in contact with some bad, bad dudes <laughs> along the way. You know, even. You know, Bob Gibson, who, who I was scared to death of, the only man in the world I was scared of other than my daddy. And, uh, you know, I'm like, man, these cats, you know, they they helped mold me. And, and and my dad, like he told me, he said, son, I said, dad, what do I do with this? He said, son, it's, it's not yours to possess. It's yours to pass on to somebody else. And so wow. this is just what I've tried to do. Dusty Baker, you're one of a kind, man. We appreciate so much you taking such a big chunk of time to – to talk to us here Big on the chunk steamer. of time. He ain't got nothing to do. Oh, come on, man. It's 24 oh, hours. It's 24 hours in a day. What the hell he got to do? 
He got 23. Uh, 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 hey, he Dusty, got, you look, know where I was coming du- from, Dusty, man. Dusty I got, was sincere, Dusty. Du- Dusty, I'm not sincere. You got 23 and a half hours left. So good luck with the rest of your day. <laughs> okay, man. Todd, you kill me. Hey, man. Oh, man. Welcome to my world, Dusty. Welcome to my world, man. I love you, man. Be safe. Later, man. Thanks, All right, Dusty. man. I'll see you down the road. What a good dude, man. What a great life. Great stories. Because, you know. How about how about a guy who can talk about Hank Aaron and Satchel Paige? Willie McCovey. Yeah. He's... Willie McCovey. Hey, Daffy. I know what your name <laughs> oh, is. I mean, when he says Satchel Paige, yeah. it reminds me when I'm playing golf with Gary Player, he'll be like, yeah, I was talking to Nelson Mandela one day. I says, are you serious right now? He just like skipped right by it. I says, he said Satchel Page. When Gary Player say Nelson, Man- President Mandela, he's like, wow, history. Thank you, Dusty Baker. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Just occurred to me, Chuckster, that I didn't tell either of our guests today, Dusty keep Baker it, keep or towel on? Draymond Green, to keep their towel on. Well, you, you're thing. entitled to a mistake. Yeah. So this is the first call of the new season? First uh, answering machine? That, that's a call, fool. Yeah. The first answering, well, it's, it's, we don't call the segment the call. We uh, call it the it, answering machine. You know what I meant when I said first and you know, call. And you know what I meant, too. Didn't you? Okay. You're, you're just trying to be difficult. <laughs> no, I was just, okay, okay. Why don't you give folks the uh, number f- to call <laughs> for the answering machine? What's the number? 404? Yes. Ernie? No. What? What Nine, is it, Ernie? 404. Yes. 987. 987. 1065. Zero. <laughs> okay, that was close. 404-987-0330. Not close at all, as a matter okay. of fact. <laughs> Let's see what we got. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hi, Ernie and Charles. It's Paco again. The 18-year-old from Hong Kong currently studying in the UK. Still a loyal schemer since 2019. For someone who isn't from the US and hasn't grown their own brand yet, your words about not holding on to your own baggage, not caring about what other people think, meant a lot to me. I can't explain the amount of times I've looped that clip. It's, it's, it's insane. My question for you guys today is about networking. So I've built some connections already. I've had great interactions. But how can someone with as little credibility as I do, as little publicity as I do, get over that hump. Much love, guys. Thank you so much. Wow, that is yeah. a uh, that's a tough question from Paco. Um, what I love the question about like people's Rudy Tomjanovic was great to me when I was in Houston when I couldn't play anymore. He was always great to me. But he always talked about Chuck only control what you can control. Anything else is excessive baggage and just going to stress you out. You, the only person you can control is you. Can't get mad at this guy, this guy, that guy. You have to control your own. And that, that actually frees you up. To pick it back on his first part of the question, like it frees you up. 
Because if you spend all your time worrying about other people's crap, you would go crazy. But the only person you can control is yourself. Right. But to get back to this question about networking, man, you have to keep trying. I remember reading about J.K. Rowling's. She sent that Harry Potter book. She got turned down, I think, 15 times before it became the biggest book in the world. And I was just thinking about that one when she was on. I forget what show she was on. This is way back too, before the Harry Potter books exploded and became the biggest thing in the world. But she said, she says, yeah, 15 people turned me down. 15 companies turned me down before somebody took a chance on it. So when it comes to networking, a guy asked me that question last night. I said, the number one thing you have to do is surround yourself with good people. Because for me personally, every conversation starts like, Chuck, I got a way we can make a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, that's a red flag right there for me. And it's going to take a lot of my money. It's going to take yeah. my money for, for us it, to make some for money. For us to make money. And if we lose it, I'm yeah. the only one losing money. So I think the main thing, you have to make sure you surround yourself with good people and like, Take chances. That's all you can do. Yeah, and for for somebody like Paco, who's young and trying to get in the in the business world and doesn't really have, you know, isn't can't surround himself with good people yeah. to do this and that. Yeah, it's just a perseverance thing too, and and being unafraid to just to reach out. I mean, here's an example. Like last week, we're in Denver doing that show, and. We had, you know, the big crowd behind the set. Mm -hmm. And one of those college kids, we were doing it on a college campus there. And after one of the halftime shows, one of these college kids just kept trying to get my attention. A truck, you know, kept trying to get my, he said, yeah, what? And said, I've got to write a, I've got to write a a story uh, or write a paper for my marketing class. And I've got to interview somebody and I'd love to interview you. Can we do that? And I was like. When do you want to do this? I have to do it before November 20th. So tomorrow I'm doing an hour-long Zoom with this student. That's awesome. And you never know who is going to say yes to something like that. Yeah. You know, and so when you have opportunities and, you know, keep sending things out. I mean, it's... The worst they can say is no. Yeah. 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 Or they can ignore it. Or every now and then you may get a response. You You know who's one of the greatest of all time? It's like Doc Emmerich. You know, the great the hockey, hockey announcer guy. who would spend a big chunk of his summer just analyzing young people's hockey tapes. Wow. And he would encourage him and he would give out his number. And he said, here's here's what you need to do. And here's my email address. Send me your video. Wow. And he would do it. So, I met him. It was like yeah. meeting royalty. Yeah. So it, it's doable, but it's but you got to really, really, really stick to it and not get not get. Uh, bummed over maybe not getting the results you want right away. Oh, you know what? I forgot something too, Ernie. Um, uh, when I was doing, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Barry Melrose. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've always said this. I think Barry Melrose was the best guy on television in his hockey analysis. And man, uh, I just want to give him and his family the best. I know he announced his retirement from public life because he's got I want to say Parkinson's, Parkinson's yeah. and man he uh, the few times I met him man what just an awesome guy loved hockey and people know how much I love hockey but 
Uh, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the great Barry Melrose. I sent him a text and just tell him, man, thank you for being the best and thank you for loving sports. So shout out to Barry Melrose. Got it. Uh, next call. Hey, Tuck and Ernie. Uh, this is Lawrence Price III, the 2023 Oscar Public Every Voice Fellowship recipient and senior at Northwestern University. I just wanted to call in and thank you both and express my gratitude for the impact both you had during opening night in my fellowship and even the tips you all gave me. I mean, one that really stood out to me was uh, during the second game, we were in the green room, and the first thing Chuck said to me was, you got to relax out there, man, And about my interview with Aaron Gordon. And it was crazy, just this real moment to me, because one, this is Charles Barkley speaking to me, but also he was talking about my interview and helping me get better at my craft. So I appreciated it because, you know, although you complimented the job I did, you emphasized a key part in interviews that treat interviewers or interviewees like it's a conversation. Um, and I think that's something I've noticed brings out even better answers for players and makes them even more comfortable. So uh, thank you both, uh, for, again, for making opening night so special for me. And if I have to leave a question, I want to go back to opening night. There was a python to you all's neck. And, of course, you all's reactions were priceless. But what would it take for you all to allow the snake to be on your next for five more minutes? Look, I wore that thing, and it was – I figured – this snake handler is not going to put this snake around my neck if there was any chance things were not going to turn out well. So I was like, okay, fine, put it on me. And then it started constricting. Well, it didn't really. I think maybe the guy was messing with me. I don't think so. Because yeah. I was sitting there, well, I was standing there, and I was like, I think that thing is starting to constrict. Because he started going up. Well, he was, yeah, I know. He yeah, because he was, was looking at me. But no, he started going up, uh -huh. and I and it, like a lot that I'm a snake expert. I like, oh, it looked like he's getting ready to. Then, right then, the guy came over. I said he was getting ready to constrict. Okay. I mean, and, and let me tell you something. I would have laughed my ass off. He had to just choke the life out of you live on television. Wouldn't that have been something? It would have been. That would have gone viral. You know, you, we would have got some, you know, some views, as they call it. Yeah. That would have been views. But a young man, number one, shout out to Oscar Pope. Uh, I think it's great what TNT does. With a lift every voice. Yeah. Lift every voice. And Young Gun, hey, man, you got some talent. You just got to work hard. You know, people ask me about that all the time. And I said, hey, man, just relax. You got, he was so uptight. I said, no, man, you got to relax. Because well, he did a good job. He, with, he, he did he, a great job he, with the interview. But I'm thinking, too, look, Chuckster. And I'm thinking back to my TV career. Oh, yeah. If I were a senior, when I was, was a senior at the University of Georgia, if they had put me on a national broadcast yeah. of a, and, and said, hey, interview this guy, I would have been nervous too. And that's, beyond uh, nervous. Yeah. And that's all but I'm he saying. Did, yeah, he did he great. Did, he did a hell of a job. But yeah. like I say, I'm, I'm glad he took it like, yo, just relax a little bit. And brother. that's the way, you know what? And that's always my advice too to, to uh, journalism students who I talk to all the time. Be your own worst critic, and and if you're going to ask somebody what they think, yeah, be prepared for, hey, relax more, yeah, or you need to do this, and it's constructive and it's helpful. Yep, it's not be it's maybe not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Yeah. 
So take it in the in the vein in which it is given, because it's going to make you better in, yes. the, in the long run. Uh, but Lawrence, uh, great job, man. Great and, job, uh, man. Great to have you as a Continue teammate. Continue success. Yes. Do we have another one, Cap? Last Hi, one. this is Randy from Long Island, and I thought I'd just give you a little poem since I remember Ernie doing it one time. Long-time listener and loyal steamer, I just love my guys Ernie and Chuck. You balance entertainment and wit with care for those down on their luck. Charles, first of all, and number one, I just love it when a song you unfurl, because then I know, without a doubt, I'm the second worst singer in the world. I also respect your maturity, for you've grown greatly over the years, and I so appreciate your antics, like soap bar size that brought me to tears. Ernie, you're excellent at your craft, the anchor in your colleague's storm, the show's vessel is safe in your hands. When they are crazy, you are their norm. And thank you for your book, Unscripted, for it gave much on which to grab hold. And for your wisdom about your mom, for mine passed away one year ago. Most of all, you're a great man of faith. With compassion, your heart is furnished. If your life has taught me just one thing, it's the importance of being earnest. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Wow. Well, that was good. That was uh, good. That was very impressive. Thanks yeah. for taking the time from to from do Long that. Island. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Appreciate Thanks for the being a loyal steamer. Yeah, you know, man, we. I told you this. We've had so many great calls like that, and you know, when we first started doing this podcast, uh, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. And I'm gonna tell you something. Now I really look forward to it. And because of the people, number one, the guests we have are incredible. But when we get calls, I mean, I'll never forget yeah. the soldier who was like, hey, I'm going through PTSD, but you guys love my spirits. The one lady who started walking, listened to our podcast, he had just gotten fired. She says, you know, I was so depressed when I got fired. And I started listening to y'all podcasts, just walking every day. Like stuff like that just brightens my day. Yeah. No, yeah and we look forward to another Another season of that. And, you know, and you know, what's funny, Chuckster, it's like, uh, over the summer, uh, you know, our buddy, Ben, Ben Spitalnik. I don't know. Oh yeah. Okay. So. Oh, the little short, ugly But dude? Ben's like, oh. uh, uh, you, uh, you on board for another year of the steam room? It's like, of course. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, oh. good. It's like. Of course, we love this. We love yeah, this. It's awesome. This chunk of time every ben, week. Ben should go as Halloween like a troll because he's about the same height as one of those little troll things. He just like put some like kind of makeup. Ben, on. I'm sorry I brought you up as part of this conversation. Oh, it's my I fault. He's short. I would have spared it's, you. It's my fault. He's this short. Stuff from the Chuckster. Well, it's my fault. He's short. No, okay. but it's your fault that you attacked him. I attack. I just gave him a great Halloween costume idea. Anything else here on episode number one? I cannot wait for Ben to hear this. I cannot wait for episode number two. I bet if Ben knows that number, 404-987-0330, Ben may just be calling in the uh, Chuck's answering machine next week. Ben. Great seeing you again, big guy. Yes, sir, brother. All right. See you on TV tonight. Look forward to it. (laughs) 